Our first lesson this morning is from Isaiah chapter 40, verses 28 to 31. Have you not known, have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. The text for this morning's sermon is found in Hebrews 12, verses 1 to 2, and then verses 12 to 17. Hebrews 12, 1 to 2, 12 to 17. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees, and make straight paths for your feet, so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. Strive for peace with all men, and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one failed to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness spring up and cause trouble, and by it the many become defiled that no one be immoral or irreligious like Esau, who sold his birthright for a single meal. For you know that afterward, when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no chance to repent, though he sought it with tears. Thanks be to God for these readings from his own holy word. Christian discipleship is a race, says the unknown author of the book of Hebrews. In fact, it's a race of a peculiar sort. It's a relay race. Some runners have run before us. Other runners are going to run after us. Those who have run before us, however, haven't disappeared from the course. Having finished their leg of the relay race, they have gathered at the finish line where they can cheer on those of us who are still running. Those who have already finished the race are the great cloud of witnesses of whom Hebrews speaks. The great cloud, as you know, consists of the dead in Christ who are uh, now exalted with him. We who are running now, you and I, are at all times surrounded by the great cloud of witnesses. They are encouraging us moment by moment, telling us constantly that any difficulty, all difficulties can be surmounted and must be surmounted if we are to join them at the finish line. Think of the great cloud mentioned in the book of Hebrews. Abel, for instance. Abel kept running despite lethal harassment from a hostile brother. Joseph. He kept running despite wicked slander against him and repeated attempts to seduce him. Moses. He kept running despite opposition from neighbors who wouldn't have known God from a gopher. And of course, the person in the great cloud of witnesses is our Lord Jesus Christ himself. 
Hebrews speaks of him as the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. We who are running now are to keep our eye on him above all. He didn't merely run one leg of the relay race, however. He forged the whole race ahead of us and now summons us to keep on running with our eyes on him. Hebrews tells us that we are not simply to run, we are to run with perseverance. Plainly, nothing must be allowed to inhibit or obstruct our perseverance. Then what is it to run with perseverance? In the first place, we must run, keep on running regardless of detractors. My family left Winnipeg in 1950. I was born in Edmonton, moved to Winnipeg later. We left Winnipeg in January 1950. Three months later, the Red River flooded. Soon the streets of downtown Winnipeg were under five feet of water. Note, we're not talking here about five feet of water in somebody's basement. That happens all the time. We're talking now about five feet of water above the sidewalks. Southern Manitoba has flooded episodically ever since the passing of the last ice age. When Mr. Duff Roblin was Premier of Manitoba several decades ago, he legislated the construction of a huge floodway along one side of Winnipeg, a floodway that carries off the overflow from two rivers, the Red and the Assiniboine, that rise dangerously every spring. At that time, the floodway cost $58 million. For this public expenditure, Duff Roblin was pilloried in the Manitoba Legislative Assembly. His political opponents ate him alive, all the while ridiculing his project as Duff's Ditch. It so happens that Duff's Ditch is going to spare Winnipeg from the flood when the flood inundates everything else around Winnipeg. It so happens that Duff's Ditch has already spared the city of Winnipeg colossal damage on at least 10 different occasions. It so happens that Duff's Ditch has already saved the city billions and billions of dollars. Roblin paid a very high price for his perseverance. A very high price. No matter, he stands vindicated now. In the race of discipleship, to run with perseverance means we shall keep on running regardless of detractors. In the second place, to run with perseverance means we shall keep on running regardless of distractions. We must run single-mindedly, run with a focus, a concentration, a determination that is aware only of the matter at hand. We must run with an intensity that unfailingly announces our steadfastness. I am gripped whenever I see a single-minded intensity that sheds distractions. Recently, I saw Itzhak Perlman, one of the world's finest violinists, playing a pop concert. He was playing the music from the movie Schindler's List. Now, uh, Perlman had already played the music when he made the soundtrack for the film. Now he was playing it once again before a live audience. The audience was relaxed, cool, comfortable. They were there to be entertained, and they relished the entertainment. Perlman, however, 
He wasn't being entertained, and he didn't think he was entertaining. The perspiration streamed off him. Playing music associated with the Shoah plainly strained the Jewish violinist. Still, he matched the strain with his own strenuousness, and he kept on playing as only Perlman can play, sweat-soaked, while concert cool-goers coolly enjoyed the music. Regardless of what it was costing him, Perlman wasn't going to spare himself. Neither was he going to let anything distract him. In his single-minded concentration, he wasn't even aware of would-be distractions. How different it was with the woman in the relay race during a recent Olympic Games. She was running her leg of the race, baton in hand, when a mean-spirited opponent elbowed her in the ribs. Jabbed, in pain now, and momentarily breathless, she lost it. Angrily, petulantly, understandably to be sure, but foolishly nonetheless, she threw her baton at the woman who had fouled her. When she threw her baton, she threw away the race. She disqualified herself. Worse, she disqualified her entire team. Instantly, she grasped what she had done, and she stopped running. In the course of life, you and I get fouled. And in the course of church life, we get jabbed. More than jabbed, we get clobbered. We get victimized in a dozen different ways. The one thing we must never do is allow our manifold victimizations to distract us. We must never allow them to distract us so that we lose our focus, lose our single-mindedness, our horizon-filling dedication to the task at hand. We must never allow our manifold victimizations to move us into that space where we throw it all away with the result that the only thing left is to stop running. To run with perseverance is to keep on running regardless of distractions. In the third place, to run with perseverance means that we shall keep on running patiently. The race of Christian discipleship isn't a sprint that ends in 9.35 seconds. The race of Christian discipleship is a long race. It's a lifelong race. We have to run patiently. Before the dismantling of the Berlin Wall in 1989, before the dissolution of the Soviet Union, when the USSR was a totalitarian tormentor, in those days, one of the USSR's military heroes was denounced publicly. Colonel Lev Ofsasher had been a flyer in the Soviet Air Force in World War II. He had distinguished himself at the Battle of Stalingrad, that great turning point in the war on the Eastern Front. He was an Air Force hero, and his name and photograph were featured in a book depicting the Battle of Stalingrad and his place in it. In a subsequent edition of the book, his name and photograph had been removed. His rank, colonel, had been reduced to private, and his Air Force pension had been canceled. What on earth had he done to bring this on himself? In 1967, he had asked the Soviet government for permission to immigrate to Israel. Permission was denied. 
Meanwhile, a Christian had given him a Bible. Afsashir had grown up in communist Russia where Bibles were illegal, and he had grown up thoroughly secularized. In 1977, 10 years later, he was still denied permission to immigrate. For 10 years, he had been reading the Bible that the Christian had given him, and in those 10 years, he had learned the history of his peoples, that is, the Jewish peoples, frustrations in the biblical era alone. The KGB, that is, the Soviet secret police, told him that if he withdrew his application to immigrate, his Air Force pension would be restored. Officer told the KGB that if he had to choose between pension and honor, there was no choice. He would never besmirch his honor for the sake of a pension. The KGB told him he might as well give up. You've already righted 10 years, they said. Wrong. You're wrong, replied Officer. I haven't waited 10 years. I have waited 2,000 years, and I can wait a few more. To run with perseverance is always to run patiently. Important as it is to run regardless of the detractors and to run regardless of distractions and to run patiently, it's never enough. At the end of the day, we must also run so as to finish. Another Olympic Games, this time in Mexico City, 1968. It was the marathon race, 26 miles, 385 yards. The first place runner crossed the finish line, then the second place runner, and the third, and so on. As the last runner, it would seem, straggled in, the spectators and camera crews noticed an ambulance with lights flashing several hundred yards up the course. The flashing lights warned the crowds not to surge onto the track yet because the race wasn't yet over. One runner remained on the track. This fellow had come from a developing country in the two-thirds world. His nation had no funds whatever for state-sponsored training programs. The people had simply sent him off with whatever encouragement they could press upon him. Now he was running with men whose economic privilege gave them enormous athletic advantage. This fellow, ambulance alongside him, would stagger a few feet and fall on his face. Then he would get up and stagger a few more feet and go down again, over and over until he had traversed the last few hundred yards. When asked why he had persevered at such a price, he replied, My people didn't send me here to win. They knew I had no chance of winning. My people didn't even send me here to compete. They knew I couldn't compete. My people sent me here to finish. It is only as you and I finish and who cares if we get to our goal with scraped knees and skinned elbows? It's only as we finish that we find ourselves admitted to the great cloud of witnesses in the company of our elder brother, Jesus. For he, Christ Jesus our Lord, has blazed the path to the finish line for us. He is the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Throughout his earthly course, he remained undeflectable and undeterrable. 
then. When it seemed, however resolute he might be, someone else, the evil one, might defeat him in the final showdown between living God and lethal opponent. At that moment, God raised his son from the dead and installed him as the one who guarantees the homecoming of his people. Jesus Christ, the victorious one, he has already run before us as the pioneer of our faith adventure. He is at this moment running alongside us as our companion throughout the adventure. He is ahead of us, urging us to keep our eyes fixed on him as we move towards him. Behind us, alongside of us, ahead of us, our Lord is all of this at the same time. As you and I finish, we are going to run into welcoming arms that will hold us fast eternally. And our arrival home will delight our Lord. It will glorify his Father, and it will exalt us, his people, of whom he, our Lord, will never be ashamed. Would you stand, please? Seeking Jesus Christ, you did come. In his abiding presence, go now in peace. And the blessing of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, rest upon and remain with you always. Amen.